is a photo from the uh, underground tube, <coughs> pardon me, in London. And I've had the uh, opportunity to be there. The only problem was as I was reading the sign, mind your step, I nearly tripped over the gap. Uh, and so you, you've got to be careful watching signs and uh, what they lead us to. But this morning I want to talk about gaps. Gaps as being one of the real problems in the world. Uh, that we face and that God is seeking to remedy. And I want to bring a, a reading this morning from uh, Ezekiel 20, 23 to 31. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. In the day of my indignation, you'll be like a polluted land, a land without rain. Your princes plot conspiracies just as lions stalk their prey. They devour innocent people, seizing treasures and extorting wealth. They make many widows in the land. Your priests have violated my instructions and defiled my holy things. They make no distinction between what is holy and what is not. And they do not teach my people the difference between what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They disregard my Sabbath day so that I am dishonoured among them. Your leaders are like wolves who tear apart their victims. They actually destroy people's lives for money. And your prophets cover, cover up for them by announcing false visions and making lying predictions. They say, my message is from the Sovereign Lord when the Lord hasn't spoken a single word to them. Even common people oppress the poor, rob the needy and deprive foreigners of justice. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. And so now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger. I will heap on their heads the full penalty for all their sins. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. It's a very solid word. And God's judgment is upon sin. But our God is a God of great compassion, a God of forgiveness. And God is seeking for somebody who would be willing to stand in the gap. To stand in the gap for their family, to stand in the gap for their church, for their nation and for his world. So God is seeking to overcome the gap that's there by finding people to stand in the gap. And we see in this very powerful section of scripture a number of reasons for the gap. Why is the gap there? What's caused the gap to come about? Well, firstly, the princes, the royalty of the land, they devour innocent people, they seize treasures and they extort wealth from people. It's not a good profile. You wouldn't want to put that on your CV. Prince over the land, this is what I do. And then secondly, the priests, the religious ones who 
are supposed to be calling people to live holy lives, they make no distinction between what is holy and what is not holy. So anything goes. Anything goes. The politicians, they destroy people's lives for money. The prophets, they announce false visions, making lying predictions. They say, my message is from God, but it's not from God. He hasn't spoken a word to them. And then finally, the common people, they oppress the poor, they rob the needy, and they deprive foreigners of justice. What a gap. You see why God's upset. And the amazing thing is that God is not talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to the believers. And he's saying, this is what's happening in the midst of my people. There's a gap between God and people. And God is seeking to bridge that gap. Now we could go back to an ultimate problem of the gap and the solution. We see that between man and God, there's sin and there's, there's a gap there that you just can't get across. It's too far. And maybe people have tried things like good works, religion, morality. You know, I've lived a good life. I haven't done anything bad. Surely one day God's going to accept me. And we try all sorts of things to bridge the gap between man and God between ourselves and God. And yet the scriptures say that the gap is too great. Nothing we can do can make us acceptable to God. And so God has sent Jesus Christ, his death on the cross. We remembered that and celebrated that last week. What Jesus did on the cross has bridged the gap. And the only way to get from where we are to where God is across that gap is on the bridge And that bridge is Jesus. There's no way to get to the Father except through Jesus. That's what Jesus himself said. And so if anyone ever accuses you of being intolerant and dogmatic and single-minded, you can say, guilty as charged. But I'm just agreeing with what God says. And God himself said that. There is no way to the Father except through Christ across a gap that is so large that nobody bridge that gap we would all just fall down with all of our best works all of our moral living all of the sacrifices that we might might make will never get us across the gap only Jesus gets us there but do you know that even in our time there is a present gap that still exists there even within the lives at times of God's people and God of the church and and God and of those who don't believe in God. And we see in the reading, God says, I search for someone to stand in the gap. I search for somebody to say, I will take on the responsibility to stand between the lost and God and preach the gospel or share the message. I will stand between those who need a prayer of healing. And need to see the power of God. I will stand in the gap. 
And if we look at the background, they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And yet there were big gaps in the wall. And the enemy could get in through those gaps and destroy the people. And God says, is there somebody who will stand up and fill the gap in the wall? Is there somebody who will stand up and say, I will do that? There's a problem of a gap in the world and there's a beautiful example. I just want to start off with the example of Moses and Aaron as the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt and going through the wilderness to the promised land and they sinned against God and snakes bit them and and there was a rebellion of Korah and the ground opened up and swallowed up so many thousand of them. And Moses and Aaron came and they stood in front of the tabernacle and the Lord said to them, get away from all these people so that I can instantly destroy them. Wow, a God of infinite patience and he's reached the end of his patience. That's pretty amazing. I can destroy them. But Moses and Aaron fell down on on their face on the ground and Moses said to Aaron, quick, take an incense burner, place burnt coals on it from the altar and lay incense on it and carry it among the people to purify them and make them right with the Lord. And the Lord's anger is burning against them. The plague has already begun. And Aaron did as Moses told them, and he ran out amongst the people. Pretty brave. And the plague had already begun to strike down the people. But Aaron burnt the incense and purified the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. God was looking for somebody. God wanted to wipe them out. And Moses and Aaron had a vision of the people of God. He must have been an amazing man, Moses. When God wanted to start with a clean slate, Moses came before God and said, God, if you don't forgive these people and let them go through, take my name out of the book of life. Man, that's commitment. I don't know that I'd be willing to say that. And God said, I want to start afresh. And here God wanted to start afresh again. And, and Aaron stood between death and life on behalf of the people and the plague stopped. And God is looking amongst his people for those who will stand up and stand in the gap in a whole range of ways that we'll look at in a moment. To take action. You know, we've got an election coming up. Are we prepared to stand in the gap to pray that godly people will get in? Forget about politics. Forget about the right and the left and in the middle, independent or parties. That's not the real issue. The real issue is godly people. God is looking for somebody who is not on about politics, but is on about God, is on about God's kingdom. And so we need to vote for those who are godly people, people who will stand up for God and God's kingdom and God's principles and will stand up for what is right and moral in the land, not what's going to fill up their own pockets. And so I want to talk about two actions that we can take in a variety of ways when we think about our families, when we think about the lost, when we think about our own church and our country, the things that are happening in the world, is there any way? 
And God says he searched for somebody to stand in the gap and there was nobody. That's really sad, isn't it? It's very sad. So let's think about two actions that we can take as God's people to be those who stand in the gap. One is boldness in prayer before God. Boldness in prayer before God. There's a story in Genesis 18, 23 to 32, where God was going in to destroy Sodom. And, and Abraham came before God and he said, God, surely the creator of all creation will do the right thing. And he came before God and there's great boldness in Abraham. And he said, look, if, if, you, can find, if you can find 50, will, will you not destroy this, the city for 50? And God said, okay, all right, I'll, I'll not destroy the city for 50. And so Abraham thinks he's on a bit of a roll here. And he thinks, maybe I can get it down a bit lower. And he said, well, what about 45? If, you get, if I can find 45 people in there, will you not destroy the city for 45? And God said, all right, okay, you're pushing it, but I'll, I'll not destroy it for 45. And, and then he says, well, what about 40, God? So he's going down in increments of five, and he's doing pretty good. You're bargaining with God, you're negotiating, and you seem to be winning. And God says, okay, 40. And so Abraham builds up a little bit of courage and he thinks, well, I've been winning in, in groups of five. I might go to groups of 10 and see how I go. And so he says to God, well, what about 30? If we find 30 righteous people in the city, will you withhold your judgment? And God says, yeah, okay, I'll withhold my judgment. And I don't know where he got the courage, but he said, oh, just, just maybe one more. Well, what about 20? And he says, God, please don't be mad at me, but I'm just, just hanging in here for, for the souls of people and the lives of people. What about 20? And God said, okay, for 20. And then he, he must have got down on his knees at that point. He said, please don't be mad with me. Have you ever had your kids come to you and say that? Please don't be mad, Dad, but I just put a brick through the car window or whatever it is. You know. And please don't be mad with me, God. But just, just one more time, please, just one more what about 10? And then God says, suppose only 10 are found there, Abraham says. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. Do we have that boldness for Australia? Are we prepared to say, God, whatever the cost you would ask of me, it's worth it for the souls of men and women in Australia and in Fiji and Cambodia and Vietnam? And all of the lands and nations of this earth. God sought for someone with a boldness in prayer like Abraham. With a boldness before God. That's prepared to fast and to pray and say, God, for the sake of my family, for the sake of Logan, for the sake of Australia, I'll stand in the gap in prayer. I'll be bold in prayer before God. James 5.16, tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Look at that. Passionate, heartfelt prayer. It was wonderful to see Lupe passionately sharing her testimony. This is about heart issues. It's about issues that will touch our heart. 
Jesus who wept over Jerusalem. How often I wanted to take you under my wings, but you wouldn't. God is a passionate God. How do I know that? Because he's made passionate people. People of great passion. And sometimes it doesn't seem to be right to be passionate. When we come to worship God, we're called to be passionate in our worship. When we pray, we're called to be fervent and passionate in our prayer. When we stand in the gap for our loved ones, when we pray and we pray. Will we stand in the gap for family, for nation, for friends, for church, for the city? Not abdicate it to somebody else and say, well, that's what pastors do. Well, you see, that was part of the problem. The princes and the prophets and the priests and the politicians, all the leaders, they were doing the wrong thing. And the people were doing the wrong thing. And God sought amongst them someone to stand in the gap. Someone who would come before God with great boldness. Ephesians 3.12, we have boldness through Jesus and a free access as kings before the Father. You see, when my two daughters come to me and they say, Dad, will you buy me an ice cream? It's because they're my daughters that I'll buy them the ice cream. You see, they know that I'm their father. And when you're in that special relationship, you'll do things for them that you may not do for anybody else. So when we come before God, we don't come as strangers. You're not a stranger. Do you know that this morning you were in the presence of royalty? Look around at the people around you. There's royalty here today. If we're part of the king's family, we are royalty. That means that we can come before God as the king's kids. We come into the presence of God and there's, a, there's an amazing photo uh, of John F. Kennedy sitting at his desk as the president of the United States, and under the desk, you know, he's probably writing out, you know, things, articles of war and policy in the nation, spending billions of dollars, and under the desk is, a, is his son playing with some train or car. Now, nobody else can get in there. It doesn't matter who you are in the world, but his son got in there. We have a free access before the Father, and when we come, our Father expects us to come pardon me, with a vision and a passion to stand in the gap for the lost and for those who need a touch from God. But more than that, more than just a boldness in prayer before God, but the church has got to rise up and Christians have got to rise up with a boldness in proclamation before people. Sometimes we send out an uncertain message What is the message that the world is hearing about the issue of homosexuality? Well, in some churches, they ordain homosexual ministers and they're allowed to conduct homosexual uh, weddings between people. And in some churches, they're not. And so what's this mixed message? And on issues of abortion and other issues that are really significant in the world, the church is sending a mixed message. But do you know God's message is not mixed? It's very clear. If he doesn't find someone to stand in the gap, 
Judgment will come upon our land. And do you know where it's going to begin? It's going to begin in the church because judgment begins in the church. God is looking for his people to be a holy people who will proclaim truth in the world, not a mixed message. A message that's clear like light in darkness. What a wonderful woman was Esther. <laughs> a great, great story. Read the whole story. But the nation is going to be wiped out basically because of a conspiracy by Haman. And so we find that Mordecai comes to Esther and says, look, you're married to the king. There's that relationship again. Maybe you can get in there and help us save the nation. But Esther knows that she can't go before the king without being, even though he's her husband, without being invited. Because the law says you'll be put to death. And so we see a, a story Esther replied, sending back to Mordecai. She says, go gather all of the Jews who've been found in Susa, then fast for me. Stop eating and drinking for three days, night and day. I and my young women will fast likewise. Only then would I dare to go to the king since it is not allowed by law. But if I perish, I perish. There's a commitment. There's someone saying, I'm prepared to stand in the gap. And that's a message for God to his people today. Are we prepared to stand in the gap for the things that are important to God? Or are we just going to say, that's somebody else's job? I'm just going to cop out and let other people do it. Well, we can only run so long from that sort of thinking. You know, we're called, every Christian here today is called to stand up and be in the gap for a lost world and for people who are going to hell, a very unpopular term, every day. People are dying, going to a godless eternity because the church is not standing up with a clear message sometimes. And so we, get, we go back a little bit in the story and Mordecai says here, look, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place maybe, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Who knows, Paul Larkham, if God hasn't raised you up for just such a time as this to go into the Senate, to speak a word on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves? Who knows if God has raised up his people wherever you are, at work, at school, at home, in the church, in the community, if God hasn't raised you up for such a time as this. And if you think I'm talking to you, I is. I is. Every Christian here today, this is a personal word. I take this personally. It's been burning in my heart all week. And do you know the one thing that people will come and see, if you get on fire for Jesus, they'll come and watch you burn. They'll get excited because you're living a life for God. If you keep quiet, if we as a church keep quiet just because we're scared about people saying words against us, that you're intolerant, you're this or that and the other, well, tough toenails. I'd rather have people mad with me than God. He's got a bigger stick. 
I don't want to go into eternity knowing that I was too scared to stand up and fill a gap. Now, that can, gap can be in so many areas. It can be for your neighbours in your street. You're praying for your neighbours. It can be for people in your family. It can be for your church in your neighbourhood, your city in your country. The world's a mess. The world is filled with gaps. I just want to finish with one story about Paul, a man who had boldness before God and before people. In Acts 4:29 to 31. And Paul's praying. So now, Lord, empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. And at that moment, at that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. And each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the word of God. And I love this translation, with unrestrained boldness. Unrestrained boldness. I'm sick to the gut of listening to an Easter message on TV where they stand up and say, let there be peace and love in the world. That sounds nice, but I'd love to hear a message that said, everyone who's in a gap, who's sinned against God, repent from your sin and turn to God. It'd be wonderful to hear something like that because that's the truth. Yes, we hunger and desire peace and love in the world, but how do we get there? We only get there through Jesus, who is either a stepping stone or a stumbling stone. There's nothing in between. And so Paul, with great boldness, proclaims the word of God. He goes before God with boldness and said, God, where are the signs and wonders we heard about in the Old Testament? Let there be power in the earth. The world needs to see a powerful church that's praying for the sick, that's standing in the gap. Will we stand in the gap? Isaiah found himself before God. And he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who'll stand in the gap? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Now, I just want the team to come up and I want to read you a poem. I didn't write it myself. It's not as good as uh, Narelle's was on Easter. Thanks for that. That was great. This is a poem called A Few Good Men. And there are a number of different versions of this. And please, when I, they wrote it as A Few Good Men, but it's A Few Good Men and Women, okay? Just using that in a generic sense. I want to read this for you. It's just a, a wonderful poem that I hope will touch our hearts this morning. What this dying world, what this dying world could us, hang on, what did I say? What this dying world, world could use, sorry, I missed the one here. What, I'll read it from up there. What this dying world could use is a willing man of God who dares to go against the grain and works without applause. A man who'll raise the shield of faith, protecting what is pure, whose love is tough and gentle, a man whose word is sure. God doesn't need an orator who knows just what to say. He doesn't need authorities to reason him away. He doesn't need an army to guarantee a win. 
He just needs a few good men and women. Hang on. It's two more screens yet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's one. There you go. I'm just getting warmed up. Men full of compassion who laugh and love and cry. Men who'll face eternity and aren't afraid to die. Men who'll fight for freedom and honour once again. He just needs a few good men and women. He calls the broken derelict whose life has been renewed. He calls the one who has the strength to stand up for the truth. Enlistment lines are open and he wants you to come. He just needs a few good men and women to stand in the gap. Will you and I be that person? Let's pray. Father, your word is uncompromising. Your word leads no room for us to hide. And so we stand before you today. And if this is a prayer in your own heart, you are able to pray, then you can pray it with me. Father, I choose to say yes to your invitation to stand in the gap, whatever that might mean, wherever it might mean that I go and whatever I do, Father God. Lord, let that spirit be in your church, in your people, that we would all rise up with one voice and say, yes, here am I, send me. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen.